final question on this, I guess, is uh, supplementation. So I don't know if I think Eric, if you, I don't know if you change any supplementation in terms of some things that kind of come out to my mind, diuretics come in, um, I guess, as a natural, there's not many that we have to play with, but there are some that people try and use. Uh, creatine is always one that comes up. So I think it's worthwhile just mentioning it. And then like caffeine intake, that can obviously play a role uh, somewhat with like uh, diet, like being somewhat of a diuretic and things. Are mm. these any, are you manipulating any of these? I think, um, so there, there's one thing I used to do that now I don't, I used to be like, Hey, creatine increases the, uh, the, the water content inside the muscle. So let's take it like morning of. Um, but I think if we accept that carbohydrates do draw, you know, water into the muscle, but they can overdo it. Um, then why don't we accept that with creatine? And do we need to be taking creatine like on game day if we know from data that it takes like three to four weeks before it actually falls below super physiologic, well, I should say habitual levels in, in, in standard people. So I will actually suggest that they don't take creatine in the last couple of days, uh, which is something different, just because it shouldn't matter. Like you should be maintaining supplemental levels for weeks, not just days. Um, and I have actually seen that some people in response to uh, taking creatine acutely do look a little worse for a little bit. Um, so, I mean, it's not a huge thing. It's not something major. It's five grams, you know, like, like, you know, like it's, it's not like, like, like the five grams of carbohydrate didn't take, you know, like there's, there's only so much water that can be carried with it. Um, but that's something where I've just had people like, don't worry about that on game day. Um, there are a few other, like osmolytic compounds that I would probably not have someone take. Like if they were doing like betaine, I probably wouldn't have them do that within a few weeks of competing um, as that's coming out with a um, uh, little more data around it. So the uh, there's a couple, but for the most part, it's more like just don't take this and then let's keep your caffeine at a reasonable level. Um, like whatever I consider baseline is. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I think as, as a general rule, anything, I think this is philosophically something that people need to understand. Like the goal is not to dry out, you know, like, especially if someone comes from like an NPC background, if they've been in the sport a long time before working with me, they kind of like, if you get feedback from a judge at an NPC show or at a more, with like a more traditional judging panel, they will use the words dry and lean, well-peaked and shredded all like in the same thing. Like, oh, he was so dry. Like I've even found myself saying that just because I know what other people will hear me mean when I say that. Like I try to be like, oh, he was crisp and shredded because that's actually what I mean. But they'll be like, yeah, he was dry as hell. And I'm like, well, he actually was not dry. Like what does that even necessarily mean in this context? Um, and that is a, a look that is, is sometimes rewarded by certain judges um, where they actually do look dry. Um, and I think that's just kind of that thing where if enough people keep doing something like dehydration related practices, then that becomes a look that's associated with leanness all because it's this look associated with everything. Um, so anyway, the, um, I think generally the goal is not to dehydrate is not to drop body water. We, we don't necessarily want in fact, we don't want a lot of water in the subcutaneous space more than normal, but there will be whatever is there. 
And so long as it's not abnormally high, that's an okay amount, right? It should still be, it will have to be proportionate. That's not, we can't really change the ratios of those compartments much. So in general, any strategy or supplement that is based on the idea that being more dehydrated is better or being drier is better is something that I would, I would not recommend. Um, and I think like sometimes you'll get like, well, what about this diuretic or what about Epsom salts or what about this? And I kind of go like, okay, let's go back to what I said. Anything that is, that is for that specific purpose as a baseline strategy, unless like if you, maybe if you spilled over, I could see some, some rationale for it as a corrective strategy. But um, in general, I don't think that that's something that would be, uh, that, that I would include. It doesn't make sense to me logically. And I haven't seen it great benefits for most people. I, I have to laugh about the, the dry comment too, because it, it does drive me nuts. Like the, the holding water, because you know, sometimes like when people aren't leaning up, they just like holding water. Then we need to flip it and just like when somebody would be like, man, he looks wet. Um, and so, you know. So, um, he looks moist. Yeah. So, um, uh, so anyway, um, supplement wise, I, I don't want to overvalue, you know, I'm going to, uh, preface what I'm saying here and like, don't overvalue the supplement, you know, just because I will adjust them doesn't mean like, these are like the first thing you focus on. Remember, right. You know, I laid out four levels supplement was like at the bottom. Um, but, um, I, I have had some, you know, increases in the supplements I use over the years, just as I've seen things make a difference. Um, it's funny that Eric, you mentioned the creatine issue, like feet. I, um, I think you remember even like from, you know, like way back in the day when I was doing the rapid backloads, like I would, I, I still kind of do it where I increase creatine a little bit, like a week out. And then I tapered off to nothing in the last few days, um, for the exact same reasons that Eric said. Um, I do think that some people. You know, even some people still get some GI distress from the creatine monohydrate. So it's like you max, you know, you can load up creatine, maximize what you have, and then you know, the last few days just taper it off. So I've I've done that same thing. Um, uh, glucose disposal agents um, I will also utilize because um, you know they're, they're, everyone does have their own load look, um, and some people um, do have this like uh, transient phase from where carbohydrates are consumed and then stored as muscle glycogen. And, you know, like Eric said, we don't always know exactly what's going on in someone's body, but we, you know, venture an idea, you know, a hypothesis about what is going on here. So, you know, some people, it's possible that some of that glucose will, while waiting to synthesize in the glycogen, you know, hang around in some of the subcutaneous space and maybe draw some water towards it. Um, so if, um, I have found that Sometimes when I load people um, uh, and they tend to have a softer load look, like it just takes time for them to, you know, get that crisper look after I load them. I have found like adding like a glucose disposal agent can shorten that time, make them look a little bit crisper, um, uh, especially for some of my black competitors because, um, you know, insulin um, resistance is a little bit more common. Um, among black people than white people. So sometimes I found giving them a glucose disposal agent can um, shorten that time of the load look when they sharpen up a little bit. Um, the the diuretic issue is actually something I had to eat my words on probably about five years ago because I never used it. And I was like, no, this is you know not what we want. Before the same reasons that Eric said, like we're not trying to like reduce total body water. We're trying to make sure that 
Um, you can't play with the ratios too much. You just wanted to like maximize intramuscular water stores. Um, and so, you know, I was like, you know, for taking a diuretic, it's kind of defeating our purpose. Um, because, you know, the ratios work in our favor anyway. There's more intramuscular water than, than subcutaneous anyway. But anyway, um, one of my clients was like, you know, I feel like I look better. She had done shows before. She's like, I feel like I look better when I take like a, an herbal diuretic, not like a prescription or anything like that. You know, a, like a light herbal diuretic, like a dandelion root or something like that. And I was like, no, we don't want that. And she's like, just try it. Let me, let me take a look. She was, you know, a couple of weeks out. And so we ran a quick test and, you know, I'll be, I'll be damned. She did look better. Um, you know, I was like, well, all right, you know, let's do it. And I guess, but what I found with the herbal diuretics, so I will use them sometimes, but, um, generally I've also found that they are most helpful in those people that are prone to holding water. Um, I think we've seen those clients where they tend to get like a more spilly look with every little small thing that happens. Um, and, um, I found they've been useful, but I would say it's a double-edged sword and, if you're thinking about using it for a client, test this one in particular, because I've also seen like, um, I've almost seen that some people can just look worse from it. Like they can't get a pump as easily, you know, like the, there's definitely probably some reduced blood volume going on and um, altering their electrolytes a little bit, not even from anything too drastic, just a, you know, herbal diuretic. So some people will look better. Some people will look worse. Test it. If you're going to try it, don't, don't just throw it in. Yeah, oh, I, I guess I, I just want to say, I, one I, more. oh, yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah, about the caffeine. You're saying, um, I, I do tend to like try to reduce just a little bit, you know, but like stay close because, um, you know, stress in the final week can make such a big difference. I don't want somebody on like 600 milligrams of caffeine a day. Um, so I try to like bring it down to like help them relax a little bit, you know, um, but I don't want to bring it down so much that they feel like, um, <laughs> that they feel like groggy and pissed off and stuff like that. So it's like just a slight reduction to chill out, but not so much that you can't make it through your days. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess, I guess three thoughts then with, with the caffeine. So caffeine. Yeah. I, I usually try to pull that back some also, especially like the second half of the day, like Friday for a Saturday show. Um, you know, people have a hard time sleeping to begin with. Um, the night before the show and oftentimes if you see like people not sleep well they can look funky um, you know like they don't load as well they they look a little bit off if their sleep is terrible and so um, just and, and just from a stress standpoint just allowing them to sleep a little better I, I a lot of times try to just keep caffeine lower than especially later part of the day before the show to help sleep as much as possible um, and then as far as you you mentioned glucose uptake and, and load look and, and tightening up um, one thing not supplements I, I oftentimes will do in that situation too is have them do a little bit more movement or pumping because um, muscle contraction can help increase glucose uptake. So, you know, if someone's doing a really hard load, like maybe they do an extra five, 10 minute pump, you know, uh, a couple times throughout the day. Or uh, one thing I, I definitely noticed, I've had clients who did really, really large loads um, uh, who maybe came, went, maybe traveled to a show and got there early, like maybe got there Thursday and Friday, they just like stayed in the hotel and they did this really, really large load and they just laid around all day. Um, and oftentimes that looks a lot worse than if they're like moving like they would on a daily basis to help 
glucose uptake and, and help move some of those carbs around. Um, and so a lot of times we'll have them get up and move. Like in that situation, it's like, you're not, you're not going to just lay in your hotel bed and like stuff your face all day. Like you, you got to get up and move here. Um, and oftentimes that helps their look as well. Um, and then the third, third point related back to dry and Eric's comment, um, this is just a side note. Um, I, I did a show in 2006. It was the first time I prepped with, with Lane Norton uh, and, and much like Eric, you know, you, I was at that phase where it's like, here's someone who uses a science-based approach. I'm going to do what I'm told. Uh, he had me keep drinking water. So I drank water on show day. Uh, I went out and did my class. I ended up taking like second out of nine in an open class at like 20 years old. And I was, I was much leaner and, and looked quote unquote drier, you know, because I was leaner um, than, than a lot of the other guys. And the promoter actually came back to me after prejudging. So I was the only guy backstage drinking water since 2006. Um, and uh, he comes back to me and he goes, how, I, I heard you're drinking water back here. How much water have you had today? And I said, I don't know. I probably had three quarters of a gallon or something before I got on stage. He's like, well, how do you look so dry? He's, you know, I was like, well, you know, I, I don't know. That's what I was told to do. <laughs> you know, I was a 20-year-old kid. I didn't know what I was doing. I just followed direction, you know. But it's funny how, how much things have changed over the last 14 years now since that. Um, because you go to shows now, at least drug-tested shows, and I would argue 75 80% of people are more drinking water backstage at this point at most drug-tested shows. Man, it, it is so funny how things have even changed with the, with the water, too, that – it is i mean but it is still more prevalent but like i i went to a show with a client even like five years ago where um, he was walking in with this gallon of water and some guy goes hell's up with the water bro did you give up already <laughs> like all right i go and it was a first time competitor i go ignore that just block that out <laughs> just keep, just keep going. <laughs> i think one thing that we maybe haven't touched on, um, and thank you for all covering supplementation, was just within the nutritional parameters was nutrient timing. Obviously, we kind of talked about that on a global scale in terms of where we're maybe kind of uh, loading or starting our load with carbohydrates. And we kind of kind of gone over front, mid, kind of back loading, uh, which kind of we've been getting feedback from our refeed days to kind of give us an idea of which of those might be appropriate, along with some other variables. Um, but in terms of like nutrient timing, kind of when we're eating food through the day, uh, how important is that? Is it important for different kind of loading when you are doing it, whether or not it's kind of front, back or mid? Uh, I don't know if yeah, Eric, you want to start off with maybe talk, talk through the, the front, mid and kind of back load or like when carbs are timed, just kind of briefly and then talk about nutrient timing a little bit in terms of maybe and if it's different for each of those. Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of the Revive Stronger member site. Inside you'll find a thriving forum, a growing exercise library, presentations, research reviews and courses. If you want to get involved, sign up via the description. Yeah, I think it's useful just to get our terminology on the same page. So um, backloading has nothing to do with John Kiefer. Just start that. Backloading has been around for a long time before uh, that, 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 was, that was a thing. So front loading and back loading are kind of what they sound like. A front load uh, typically is a, an increase in carbohydrate relative to baseline earlier in the week. Um, and then, they then a back load and, and it probably comes back up as you get close to the show. A backload is basically just that second part where maybe uh, no, no later than say like 
uh, so no, no earlier than say like Thursday, if the show is on Saturday, are you increasing carbohydrates? It's typically 24 to 48 hours. And that could be looked at as the Friday, Saturday, or maybe the Thursday, Friday beforehand, but it's a, just a steep increase, uh, right before you get on stage. There are mid loads, which are basically the same concept as a front load where you go in early and then you let it clean up and then you top it off. That's basically the, the mindset. And a mid load is just basically like a front load adjusted to what the load look of the person is, I think is probably the best way to describe it. Um, like I, for example, when I'm not just eating up into a show or when a, I, I tend to look best with a mid load, a front load's too long. Like I clean up and then I back load and I just look, look crappy again. But if I do the mid load, then I can, I can clean up and then just keep it the way I want it. It's almost like I'm babysitting a late front load to look the way I want on game day, if that's an easy way to describe it. Um, I'll let Cliff to describe the, the rapid back load as that's kind of, um, you know, a, a a specific way of, of backloading it a little more aggressively. Um, but that's for, for all of those, I would say to your answer your question about specific timing on the day, we know from some other research on like carbohydrate loading and, um, and, and endurance sport and actually intra training, like during a race uh, feeding that like gastric emptying does a little better if you have more frequent meals, like every couple hours uh, that are moderate in size relative to having these large boluses, which tends to slow down gastric emptying. So in general, almost if you're trying to increase carbohydrates to a reasonably large amount, um, whether that's a mid front or back load, you probably want to do that like every two to three hours in these moderate boluses uh, with like kind of like your fat spread out. So it's not uh, delaying any, any single one of these meals. And I think that's, that's most important for two reasons. It doesn't actually change the way you, you look in aggregate, like on, on like Wednesday, if you're doing a mid load, it doesn't really matter, but if you're if you want to see reliable data on what you actually look like when you or or your coach when you take pictures, then you want to follow that kind of process so that you kind of have a reliable look and it's a, it's good data for your coach or yourself. And then on game day, it's especially important if you are still loading carbohydrate. Um, and I have a controversial view about game day intake, but um, and I'll, I'll share that in a second. But the uh, that's when you could argue that the timing is more important, like on the Friday and Saturday, when it actually is about assimilation uh, acutely. Um, my thoughts on game day is that it's one of the least important days as far as what you actually do, at least in terms of carbohydrate intake. If you look at the time course of glycogen synthesis, assimilation, uh, like if you loaded properly and then like on, on game day, you just drank water and were mostly fasted, I don't think it would mess you up that much. And I, I played with it myself um, because that's just not like it takes a lot of time for, for glycogen to get there, especially with these shorter show formats where you get on stage at 1 p.m. and you're off done with everything and you've done the whole the whole thing like like midday. It could matter if like like WBF Worlds this year or last year. That was, it was technically a one-day event, but per the clock, it was a two-day event because <laughs> they were getting off stage in, in the AMs. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, like, if you have a really, really, really extended day, I can see an argument for it. Um, but I would say that that's something to consider. And that's also something I use as a coach to calm down my clients. Like, you know, like, if, if you had 60 grams of carbs right now, like, eight hours from now, that'll be fully assimilated, you know, like, maybe not that much, but... It's, it's the kind of thing where you don't need to worry about it too much. 
And it's also a red herring for people. Like um, we've talked about how many people look better the day before, the day after their show. They go out and they have this huge meal and they, they, they calculate the macros because they're insane. Uh, and they, they're like, I had 50 grams uh, of fat in that meal and, and 230 grams of carbohydrates and I already front loaded. Therefore, I need to have 100, and, 100 grams of fat and I need to have 900 grams of carbs in a, like a six hour window. Uh, because that's what it took before I spilled over. And it's like, you have a fucking conga line in your stomach of, of food, <laughs> yeah. and only like a third of it has actually been assimilated in any way. So you have no idea that that's what you need. And you're seeing a really small window where you like right your pre-spill, but you're, you're not actually like perfectly peaked. So I think that's just something to consider is that that can be a red herring. And then I think I did my, my terminology justice before that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you nailed it too. And, you know, I, I agree. Like, you know, I think it's good practice to have spaced out meals during peak week, just so you're not getting like wildly different looks from day to day digestion issues. You know what I mean? But like, as far as assimilation of nutrients, um, I think it becomes more important the closer to show day you get, but also the type of load. So like, if you are doing a heavy, like on a front load, I would say it's le least important. Um, mid load, probably about the same. But if you're doing like a back load where food carbohydrates are being loaded more towards the end of the, 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 the week, I would say the more aggressive your back load or rapid back load, then the more important the timing becomes because then need to be sure that your, um, all of your carbohydrates are assimilated by the time you hit the show day. Um, I, you know, I, I do do a rapid backload. I'm going to put the disclaimer that I always do on the rapid backload is, uh, test it. The rapid backload for those that don't know is when I pretty much do the entire load in the day before the show day, maybe like 32 hours before you hit the stage. Um, so, um, with that, I would say it's most important on the rapid backload because you know, if you're trying to load, um, even sometimes like at, like Eric said, it's not like these carbohydrates, you know, are consumed and then digested and assimilated all the way to muscle glycogen in a quick time period. If you're, and, and if you're taking in large amounts of food and you're doing it all at like 10 PM at night, but you hit stage at 8 AM the next morning, there's no guarantee that all of those carbohydrates will be stored in your muscle by that, by that point. Um, so, you know, even when I do like a rapid backload, more of it is done in the early portion of the day. And then there's a tapering as, as you go into the rest of the day. Um, and I agree, you know, um, show day, whatever, whatever peak week protocol I do, there's one consistency where I try to make sure that all of the loading is done before show day. Um, show day should, should I, I, ideally you wake up show day, you're like, damn, I nailed it. We're maintaining from here on out. Um, you know, like any carbohydrates I give somebody should be for the pur purpose of maintenance, maintaining this look that we have because we like this look. Um, you know, just enough fats and, you know, uh, carbohydrates to maintain, just enough sodium to maintain. The only thing I would do um, timing-wise on show day is usually a, a bigger hit of sodium, um, maybe uh, one to two hours before stage. Um, to help you get a pump, increase blood volume. Um, sodium directly impacts blood volume, so you can get a bigger pump. Um, so a bigger hit of sodium, maybe one to two hours before stage. 
and maybe some faster digesting um, carbohydrates like some Gatorade or something, you know, because everybody always wants that vascularity when they're on stage, um, you know, uh, and so, you know, that's what leads people to get like drunk off of wine <laughs> backstage. But I would say like, you know, sodium will do the trick and some glucose, you know, we've all been there where we have our refeed day and we have our veins popping out. So, um, you know, any, uh, any substance floating through your bloodstream will help increase vascularity. So usually sodium and carbohydrates, just a few will, will get that job done. Um, I just don't think you need to do anything crazy in terms of meal timing. And then I would just say like, just avoid, you know, kind of we touched about, I would avoid vegetables on show day. Um, you don't need massive amounts of protein on show day just for, um, you know, just for, uh, digestion purposes. So, um, you know, I would say that that's about it as far as timing goes. Yeah, I yeah, I think the only thing I really have to add to that is, um, you know, if you're doing one of these really aggressive loads later in the week where you're putting down a lot of carbs Thursday, Friday, or Friday, um, and it's a large amount, in addition to spreading it out throughout the day, um, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but one thing I would try to do too is keep protein, fat, and fiber intake down that day. You know, if you're going to put a thousand grams of carbs down on Friday and you want to have time to digest, absorb, assimilate all of that, um, doing, you know, small meals throughout the day and then keeping, you know, pulling your protein, fat and fiber back um, because all of those are going to slow digestion and absorption. Um, and you're probably going to feel pretty miserable if you're putting down a thousand grams of carbs a day and still trying to get a lot of protein, fat and fibers, especially fiber and protein as well, because you'll feel really full. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've all been there too, where we see guys like they're going on stage in like three hours and we'll see them backstage just like pounding something like pasta or something like that. And I'm like, man, that's, that's not going to make it, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not going to get there in time. You know, it's like, I would say as far as timing goes, if you wake up and you are flat, like, you know, one, I, I would say timing wise also wake up early enough to maybe give yourself some time to um, affect, affect some change on your look. If, if some change needs to happen, but like if you are flat on show day, then, um, you know, you really should maybe reach for like liquid carbohydrates, um, you know, something like a Gatorade or some dextrose or something like that, or even, you know, maybe even some rice cakes or something like that. But, um, even, you know, you would still need to wake up pretty early to make that happen. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I would say if you're trying to do a significant portion of your, carving up on show day you're you're too late probably yeah on the yeah, on that note if you do see large acute changes in how you look you can almost always be sure that was something related to electrolytes or water which is essentially water um so like if if uh a lot of the times when you hear those competitors who who did the kind of traditional approach what they did was they restricted water and sodium and ate a lot of carbohydrate and they could only fill out so much in a kind of in a weird, funky way. And they have a meal and they don't restrict their drinking and they look good really quick. You almost are sure that had probably not much to do with the carbohydrates of that meal and that you were, were more dehydrated than you thought or you were you too restricting electrolytes to fill out properly. So I think that that's something to consider as well. Um, and actually, this is something I, I meant to say earlier. So this is a little off topic, but Pete was talking about it. Don't just sit around all day eating. Um, I think you'd be surprised at how much your energy expenditure changes from having like a lazy day in the hotel and just sitting there. Like that could be a thousand calorie difference in expenditure for a competitor. And obviously that just like, you know, like 
signaling to get carbohydrate into muscle aside, all of that, that's a thousand calorie difference in your energy expenditure. You know, like if you, you just simply don't need to load on as much carbohydrate if you're burning less, uh, you know, fuel in general. So just as an aside, that's another thing to keep constant. No. Yeah, no. And, and I actually, a lot of times if my clients have step minimums, I'll keep a step minimum in while we're loading them. It may be something a little bit lower than a normal day, but nothing drastically lower just to make sure they keep moving, especially if it's a situation where they're driving to the show all day or they're laying around in a hotel room all day. Like, yeah, to avoid that type of situation. Cause like, like we talked about before, if you're, if you're testing out a peaking protocol, you know, using a refeed and saying, Oh, well, I'm going to test out double a refeed today at two weeks out when I'm ready early. If you're normally getting 10,000 steps a day, but then you lay around your hotel room when it's game day, you know, the day before game day and, and uh, you know, you're only getting 4,000 steps. That, that's a huge difference. Um, and, and that's a variable absolutely that can yeah, throw, throw things off completely. Yeah. And, you know, kind of on that same note, Eric, you said something that we're jogging my memory with this, um, with like consistency, because like we said before, um, if, you know, during peak week, like part of the battle is like diagnosing what is my current situation. You know, each day you're looking at yourself, like, what is my current situation? And I'm going to like throw out like a constant of like water, um, <clears throat> at least for myself. I tend to keep water. I find an appropriate level for this person and I just keep it steady across the week. Um, water is like the easiest variable that people still kind of mess it up. But like water, in my opinion, should be the easiest variable because you need enough for your body to function and store in the muscle and whatever it needs. Um, but the excess will just be eliminated. Um, and so I would say along those times, like also keep water constant throughout the day as much as you can, like don't drink nothing for the first half of the day and then try to chug it, um, you know, to make up for it because you fell behind, like try to keep that pretty consistent. Um, and you know, just to like the water constant issue, because like, you know, it, it, the terminology that Eric talked about, <clears throat> like people saying dry and they, they still have this like fear of water, um, going into a show. And it's like, they, they think they're going to like selectively dehydrate, um, compartments, you know, uh, which is just not the way it works. So the one analogy I always use is like your body, if you're drinking water, it's kind of like a tub with the drain open. Um, you know, it, any excess will just run out through the drain. You're going to urinate the excess out as long as it stays consistent. Um, you know, if I start throwing sponges <clears throat> into that tub, which would, you know, uh, be the equivalent of like carbohydrates because the water is going to follow the solute. Um, so if I'm throwing t uh, sponges into that tub, the water will stick to it. Um, and then the excess will run out the drain again. Um, but you know, if you throw too many sponges into that tub to where you've reached the top of it, then the water will start to spill out. Um, you know, the problem wasn't the water in the first place. It was just that you threw too many sponges in there. So I would tell people like, keep your water intake sufficient and steady. I don't think that you should be like trying to manipulate water going down one day or the next or, you know, anything like that, because I think that's when you're going to lead to differences in how you look at, uh, from one day to the next, or even from one afternoon to, to an evening, if you got behind too far or something like that. I think Ed, Eric's controversial comment became non-controversial as everyone agreed. Everyone disagreed with me. Yeah. I think, but I think it's, it's probably controversial among most yeah. competitors. Like, oh, it's, it's most important on game day. 
Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, it's something I've seen spoken about a lot. Uh, and to my surprise, because yeah, when you look at the science of kind of glycogen loading, it's not something that's really manipulating things. And I think something on that day, you talked about kind of step counts and kind of energy expenditure and things. And on a game day, most people are sitting with their feet up. They basically are just maintaining that peaked look, hopefully that they've already got. So I always think of game day as kind of a, a really kind of day to really do little pump up take some of your sodium and that's where you release your kind of look as if it's like your workout or something that you're going to do that day it's just like a normal day is there anything else i uh, people talk about other things to take pre-stage is there anything else any of you have tried pre-stage any like pre-workout products maybe if the person's found like they take this one pre-workout and it just gives them a really good pump for that work kind of the, their training or are you just mostly using kind of uh, cliff you talked about the ones two hours out that sodium Hey, Pascal here. I just quickly wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we put a huge emphasis on the personal aspect of our coaching. And if you want to take your physique and knowledge to the next level, hit the link in the description below. Um, yeah, for, for me- Do you mind if I, if I answer this first? Cause I actually have to, to hop off this call. It's gone a little, I was gonna a little say, longer than I expected. I was gonna say, I, uh, how long yeah. does everyone have? Cause I, we haven't even touched on the training side. So we can always reschedule that. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're clock it after this. So feel free. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I, um, I, I was, I lost track of time and I've got a call after this, but, uh, the, um, if someone has specifically used a pre-workout that they consistently notice a better pump from, and I, I asked, normally ask for a video on this. I'm like, prove it to me, you know, <laughs> um, then, then I'll do it. Um, and if, I don't always require that, especially if I don't think there's any reason it could mess things up and they're really, really used to it and they feel like it gives them a pump, then, then I'll, I'll be like, yeah, you know, take it however time you would for your normal workout. Um, on that note of workout, since we're, since we're there really quick and since I'm going to jump off after this, unfortunately, um, I did notice that this last season when I was training full body, my look in general was a lot more consistent. And I think it's because no specific body part got a ton of volume. So I wasn't dealing with a ton of muscle damage, that high frequency. Um, and that constant, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating. This is not like I didn't do like freaking metabolic testing to know this to be the case. I didn't do any biopsies, but I, I, I would assume uh, that both not a lot of water retention from muscle damage because no individual session blew me up. And then two, um, because five days a week, these muscle groups are getting some training effect. And as we've noticed, or as we've mentioned in this round table, like staying active and getting a pump, like doing a little bit of a full body circuit, uh, we, we think we're directing carbohydrate towards it. We're keeping, uh, the muscles insulin sensitive and ready to store carbohydrate. That might've been a part of it as well. This was the most consistent look I've had in this season. And that is probably the main thing that changed. I would say was my training strategy. So that's something, um, I've played with a bit in that during peak week, the last couple of workouts become full body um, and not just like pure pump up sessions, but like, let's reorganize your traditional normal volume, make it a little easier. It should be not a week where we're reducing a lot of muscle damage, but make it full body on say like Thursday, Friday. Um, and, uh, and I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a strategy that, that I have seen at least anecdotally work. 
Awesome. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, think, I've got to say bye-bye now. I think hopefully we'll reschedule another chat with everyone so we can touch more detail on training and maybe we'll have some more questions to cover. So, yeah, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. See you later, dude. Have fun. Sorry, I got a dip. Good to see you all. Um, yeah, so I'll go ahead and um, follow up with that. I do um, tend to have people use um, whatever – to. Uh, most people are using some version of caffeine, whether it be pre-workout, energy drink, or whatever, whatever it is that they are used to um, using. But I don't have them take a full dose because adrenaline gets pretty high on show day. You don't want people um, so amped up. They're like shaking out there. Um, and, you know, that that's, you know, I've seen it happen. So yeah. um, I'll tell them anywhere from a half to three quarters of their normal dose. Um, and I'll have them do it. I mean, there's advantages, once again, from a slight diuretic perspective. Um, with the caffeine and the stimulants. I also think that, um, so I think there's an, uh, an advantage also from uh, heating, like body heating. Um, we're all a little bit cold backstage. Like, you know, it's cold back there. Uh, we're stripped down to nothing. So I think like there's an advantage for heating the body. Helps you get a little bit of pump, uh, a little bit better pump when you have some caffeine in you. Um, and I try to have my clients get um, a little sweat going for one, for one way or another, whether it be like staying warm or getting a pump, because um, I think most people would agree once you break that first sweat, you know what I mean? Like you really open up the pores and get that, some of that subcutaneous water is coming out. Um, now it doesn't mean you want to like dehydrate yourself, but you get that little bit of sweat going and you sharpen up a little bit. I think if you generally, if you're carved up properly, um, most people tend to look a little bit tighter as they get a better pump. They pose a little bit more and they get that little bit of sweat going. So um, I do have them use like some pre-workout. Um, but once again, whatever they've been using and maybe a half to three quarters of their normal dosage. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I was going to say one thing I would, I have clients do oftentimes in addition to that too is in, you know, instead of like pumping so hard, because you'll see people backstage pump so hard, they're like exhausted by the time they get out on stage. And so a lot of times I'll have them mix in just some good, good, hard posing, you know, like something that's not quite as exhausting um, as, as just going to town on, on pumping and, and, you know, mix in a little bit of posing in between. Um, and so they're not overly drained by the time they get on stage. But yeah, you want to, you want to get a decent pump backstage especially if you've loaded really hard to take advantage of that um but circling back to you know eric mentioned training um i think one i i don't necessarily have i don't i i don't have clients do the full body splits necessarily like he does you know on a regular basis but um one thing i think most people's peak week training has in common is that you're backing off uh intensity probably maybe even volume a little bit but you're backing off in the gym because you don't want to, the goal is to not cause muscle damage that last week. You don't want to have some blurring, some inflammation. Um, you also don't want to be sore on show day so that you can pose hard. And so, um, you know, in some way, shape, or form, I think common, it's common to back off, you know, training. And it, it starts looking more deload-like, especially late in the week, you know, those last couple of days before the show. Yeah, I think as well, we'll, uh, we'll regather and we can go into some real depth on the training side as well. Cause I'm, I appreciate you guys already taking a good chunk of your day out of this, but, um, no. it's been incredibly interesting hearing you all kind of go back and forth over everything. 
yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Like we've been doing this for like an hour and a half. And I honestly, I still kind of feel like we barely scratched the surface. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We haven't even talked about like, we haven't even talked about like super compensation or depletion loads versus just like loading off not depleted state or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I you know, it's funny because it, it is a subject that only takes, you know, it may increase you five to, to 10%, but it is, it is a very complex subject. You know, I think when Pete and I were writing the book, I, I sent him the peaking chapter and I was like, like this thing's getting pretty long here. I was like, I almost feel like I need to cut it off at some point. <laughs> it's when you realize there's just so many variables and especially because those variables change over time. So even like you test things, but the, you're even, I've had it even to the point of which peak week became a really like heat wave week. So I was like way hotter, sweating more, drinking more, like find myself getting thirsty. I was like, this is just, this is throwing another variable in the mix that I just didn't even think about. So uh, yeah. I think and it's why it's so helpful having even the baseline of knowledge that you guys are providing. Well, this shouldn't be surprising. You and I spoke about progress photos for about <laughs> yes. an hour and 15 minutes. So I mean, this, this is easily a, what, a nine hour subject, I would guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I do, I'll, I'll close the uh, episode here at least and say, I definitely do recommend um, if you've listened this far, you're that interested. If you haven't got the uh, book that both these guys have written up all about bodybuilding and the peak week chapter. And that is particularly impressive. Um, Then definitely head over to there. But uh, if people want to find out more about you both, or um, if you want to direct them anywhere, where should they head? Uh, Yeah. I mean, they can, so they can find me on Instagram, fitbodyphysique uh, or my website's fitbodyphysique.com or my email fitbodyphysique at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and same thing, uh, Instagram at uh, CW Team Wilson, and then uh, my website is teamwilsonbb.com. Um, and, you know, like I said, uh, they can find the book also uh, quite a few places like Amazon and Walmart and even my website too. So, Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you all for listening and, yeah, look forward to a uh, extended part two as well. Take care. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Floor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can you can lock your journey. There's also going to be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics, discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. 
the exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy. We're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them, that we cap them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.